The MLB trade deadline is just a few short days away, and with that in mind, who is the number one best fit for the San Francisco Giants? Do they even need middle infield help now that Marco Luciano has been called up? And will they trade from their surplus of veteran pitching that has kind of created a logjam in San Francisco? All of those questions and all of those answers next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on the show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. Check us out there if you have not already, and please hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. And coming up on today's show, it is a mailbag edition of the show. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions on Twitter. The first question comes from Joe, who asks, if the Giants got only one player before the deadline, who is the best fit still available? And so this is obviously a question that forces you to pick the number one position of need, because I would say they have needs on both offense and on the pitching side. but. I think it's clear that the number one need is starting pitching uh, more so than an infielder, particularly with the promotion of Marco Luciano, which is a question we're going to get to next. But given that my answer is a starting pitcher, I'll get more specific than that and say a frontline starting pitcher, not just like depth starting pitching, because I agree with Farhan Zaidi's assessment that they have a ton of depth. I mean, they have all these guys and, and another question we'll get to later, the Giants pitchers are reportedly drawing some trade interest like you know the woods and disclafanis and manias and striplings of the world could get dealt so they don't need any more kind of veteran pitchers with a track record they need front of the rotation a front of the rotation type of arm i'm not sure there's a perfect fit available but the the names i kind of narrowed it down to some of whom are more realistic than others and i will give you one solid answer but uh, Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox, Blake Snell of the San Diego Padres, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Detroit Tigers, Justin Verlander of the New York Mets, and Marcus Stroman of the Chicago Cubs. And let me just see if there's anybody else. I guess Max Scherzer I would also throw into that category. Also Jordan Montgomery of the St. Louis Cardinals. So there are some guys. There are some starting pitchers out there. And I think Cease would cost a lot. He has, you know, two and a half years of team control remaining. Blake Snell would cost a lot, except he's a pure rental. So he would cost less than uh, Dylan Cease in the sense that he only has two months of team control. But he's been like the best pitcher in baseball for a month and a half or two months or so. And so... You know, it's hard for me to pin down this question because I want to be realistic. I'm not sure the Padres trade Snell. I'm not sure the Padres trade Snell within the division. He also has command issues. 
I don't think Cease is likely to get traded. And so I've kind of narrowed it down to, uh, for me, Eduardo Rodriguez or Justin Verlander. And it's it's they're very different situations in that Eduardo Rodriguez has an opt-out after the 2023 season. And that opt-out, uh, he would be opting out of three years and $49 million. And this season, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers, left-handed pitcher, has a 2.95 ERA, a 3.45 expected ERA, 3.18 fielding independent pitching. He's just a good, solid, like not ace, but certainly in that top three and not a guy like in the Wood and Di Scofani category, I would say. So, uh, and and the fact that he would he's having a good year means he's likely to opt out. And so it's probably a rental. Although if you're the acquiring team, you're taking on the risk of him opting in. And the only reason he would opt in is if something goes wrong, basically. And so there's also the connection between Scott Harris, the Tigers president of baseball operations, who was Farhan Zaidi's first general manager. And so they, I feel like they could align pretty easily on a deal. So, you know, but I'm, I'm still really drawn to Justin Verlander as well. Uh, although he's 40 years old, although the strikeout rate has been in decline and is now currently this year just 20.9% versus last year at about 28%. And the previous couple years when he was in Houston, although he missed all of 2021, he was up closer to 33 to 35%. And now again at 20, uh, 21% essentially. And so that's concerning for a guy who's 40. And he does though have a 3.24 ERA, 3.37 expected ERA and strong projections still. But he signed for $43.3 million just this year alone and next year. Next year guaranteed at $43.3 million. And then there's a player option for a third year at $35 million if he reaches 140 innings next year. And so that's a ton of risk and the Mets would have to pay a lot. So it kind of depends on what the Mets would be willing to do there. The Giants, there's no way they would just take on that contract without the Mets paying a significant amount or taking on some money from the Giants like underwater deals such as to Manaya or Stripling or both, something like that. So we'll actually get into that question later. But I kind of land, I, I know Marcus Stroman is out there too, but I mean, he, he would be solid. I'm not sure the Cubs are going to sell though. So I kind of land on Eduardo Rodriguez when all is said and done, uh, given I think he's likely to be dealt the connection with Scott Harris, the fact that he's just a strong performer, the fact that he's left-handed, it kind of, you know, if you're going web and Cobb, maybe break them up with Eduardo Rodriguez. But any of these pitchers, Cease, Snell, Rodriguez, Verlander, Stroman, I think would be really solid fits for the Giants. They all have different contexts in terms of how easy they would be to acquire, what it would take to get them. But Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, kind of strikes a nice balance of you wouldn't have to give up too, too much, but you would be getting a, an, an arm that's having a really strong season in Detroit. And so that's my answer, I guess. I'm not super confident in it. I think Justin Verlander, like if you're going into a playoff game and you've got Justin Verlander going, you feel good about your chances. I would feel good too about Eduardo Rodriguez, but I mean, Verlander, it just so much depends on 
what the trade would actually look like if you can get him and you're not paying him close to $43 million this year or next year or the year after at $35 million. Like all of that matters a lot, but it's hard for me to answer this. I mean, gosh, let me know what you think. I mean, Snell as a pure rental, if, if the Padres trade him, he makes a lot of sense. Although, again, he has command issues, throws a ton of pitches, doesn't pitch deep into games. And so that's all a factor. But he's got the most kind of dominant stuff when he's right, the most strikeout stuff. And like I said, he's been the best pitcher in baseball for the last couple months, I think. I don't know exactly what span, but he's been on a total roll. Uh, although the command issues have crept up again recently. So anyway, that's my answer. Let me know in the comments what you who you think is the number one fit for the Giants, if you agree or disagree what I had to say. And coming up in just a minute, we're going to look at the middle infield. Do the Giants even still need help there now that they've made this move to promote Marco Luciano? We will answer that question momentarily. And before we do, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, here we go. We're going to discuss, do the Giants still need help in the middle infield with Marco Luciano promoted? Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every dayers on Monday, we're going to be breaking down a three-game series against the Boston Red Sox in San Francisco. Huge series. Red Sox are playing well. It's going to be tough. And when we come back on Monday, there's only going to be one more game prior to the trade deadline, and who knows what kind of moves might get made between now and then. Giants play the Red Sox tonight at 7.15 Pacific. Logan Webb on the mound for the Giants. Cutter Crawford, who throws a lot of cutters, funnily enough, uh, going for the Red Sox. And you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Giants. So MJ, Marcus, JP, and Caleb all had similar questions here about Marco Luciano. And I'll kind of read through them briefly. MJ if Mark says if Marco Luciano proves he can be a serviceable player up here do the Giants still make a move for an infielder Marcus says do you think Marco Luciano's call-up means the Giants are no longer interested in middle infield help or are they just trying to see what they have before the deadline like they would have done with Kyle Harrison JP says why not just go with Marco and Casey Schmidt until Tyro returns forget about middle infielders and focus completely on the rotation fixes and Caleb says, what would Marco Luciano need to show in this upcoming series versus the Red Sox to prove he's the middle infield help we need and should stay up at least into August? So these are really good questions. And certainly the the unexpected promotion of Marco Luciano to the major leagues does change my thinking about if the Giants need middle infield help at the trade deadline. 
because the deadline is on Tuesday afternoon. So Marco Luciano, in terms of Caleb's question, what does he need to show against the Red Sox? It's too, to me, you can't evaluate a player in three days. I guess the one exception would be if he just totally has a monster series, then you're like, okay, well, we want to keep playing this guy. We don't want to send him down or replace him at all. And so... But if he has a tough series, to me, it's not like, okay, well, he can't play. You know, it's so it's it's kind of like they've put themselves in a weird position with that. And the other factor is like Luciano's never played another position and Brandon Crawford's coming back maybe even tonight. And Crawford has also never played another position except pitcher <laughs> that one time this year. And so if they're both only shortstops, I don't really see them like just putting one of them at a different position without having ever done it before, then, I mean, I could see a platoon of Crawford and Luciano, but I'd rather Luciano not just be platooned. So maybe they kind of let Crawford stay on the injured list a few more days just to get a look at Luciano. But, you know, Tyro Estrada is coming back probably within the next couple of weeks. And so when we talk about middle infield help, that's why I've kind of focused on when I've mentioned someone like Tommy Edmond. He's not just a middle infielder. That's the thing. He's really good defensively at short and at second, but he also is really good defensively at third and in left and in center and in right. And that's why that's a big part of the appeal to me of Tommy Edmond because he kind of could play where you need him to play. If you have problems at short, he can play there. Second base, until Tyro gets back, he can play there. You know, you could keep Luciano and Tommy Edmund could play second like every day, pretty much, because Schmidt and Wisely have struggled. And then when Tyro comes back, you could have Edmund in your outfield mix until Hanniger gets back. And then when Hanniger gets back, you just kind of reassess and Edmund could be like a super utility guy just moving all over the diamond. So that is a huge part of my interest in Tommy Edmund. And as we'll discuss a little bit later, when it comes to guys like Jonathan India of the Reds, it's a little bit of a different story. And so do they just need someone who flat out, like there was a report yesterday I think it was yesterday that the Giants are interested in uh, Paul DeYoung and Nicky Lopez, very different players, but specifically to focus on Paul DeYoung. I've made this point, like Edmund and DeYoung are both on the same team. The thing about DeYoung, though, is he's just a shortstop. And so I think that, no, you don't really need a guy like that if you believe Luciano can at least hit left-handed pitching like at the at the worst if you're if you've got a Crawford and Luciano platoon I think that that's okay it's not really going to be a horrible position for you and and getting a look at Luciano who may have the most upside of any of these prospects they've called up for the rest of the season I I think that just getting a you know a guy like DeYoung doesn't really make a lot of sense if you believe Luciano can at least handle left-handed pitching, which I, I think he should be able to given the, the pedigree and how he performed in double A AA and triple A. So I like the idea of a multi-position guy like Edmund, who can be a middle infielder, but can also play outfield and third. But Edmund would probably cost a lot, but he might be worth it in my opinion. Next question is about the Giants veteran veteran starting pitchers and the questions come there's two askers of the question both Gideon and Raroni Gideon says 
Any chance the Giants will have any takers on Manaya, Stripling, Wood, DiScofani, Logjam of overpriced, unpitchable starters, two of whom have player options? Ruroni says, what do some variations of a Verlander for Wood, Disco, Manaya, Stripling trade look like? Independent variables, variables being how many of the underperformers we send back, if any, and how much money the Mets eat, if any. Dependent variable being who they must give up. So to answer the first question first, any chance the Giants will have any takers on that log jam? I wouldn't call them unpitchable pitchers, but unpitchable starters, but I see your point. And to me, the answer is yes. And I have been crystal clear in my assessment that I think they need to trade one of these guys. And I also think at least one of them, like if you look at a Alex Wood, who's on an expiring contract, he, meaning he would be a pure rental to an acquiring team. I think that a guy like Alex Wood certainly has some value to other teams because he has it like all that stuff. I always say he has a track record, blah, blah, blah. He's a veteran starting pitcher. Plenty of teams are like running out young guys who just aren't performing and they don't have they would love like some stability of a veteran arm like Wood, even though the overall numbers aren't great. He at times just gives you a lot of stability and you kind of know what you're going to get for the most part with an Alex Wood and Manaya and Stripling, I think, are tougher to trade because, like you said, they've got those player options and they're both not having good seasons with ERAs and the high fives. And therefore, they look likely to opt in. So, you know, you're you're not just getting them for this year. You'd be getting them for next year. And so, yeah, that's tougher. And then Disclafani also has a guaranteed uh, salary for next year. I mean, not also. He's, well, yes. The other, Stripling and Manaya, it's quote unquote guaranteed because they have the right to opt into it. And for Discofani, though, it's not even an opt-out or an opt-in. It's just a pure, he's under contract for 2024. Wood is not. And so I do think, I really do think they end up trading one of those guys because they don't have room to add a starter. If they were to acquire a starting pitcher, which seems like such an obvious need, they simply don't have the flexibility to like send someone down to clear a spot on the major league roster. The only players with options who are pitchers are Logan Webb and Tyler Rogers, Camilo Duvall, and Ryan Walker. Those are the only pitchers who can be sent down. So, and they can't add, they only, they have the maximum number of pitchers right now, 13. So if you add a pitcher, you have to subtract a pitcher and you're not sending any of those guys down except maybe Ryan Walker, but he's done well. And so that wouldn't really make sense. And then also you've got John Brebbia on the injured list and eventually he has to come back and you wouldn't have room for him either. So they've got a log jam and they've got to find a way to unload someone. There was a report yesterday that the Giants starting pitchers or the Giants pitching depth is drawing trade attention. And I think that's a signal that the Giants are discussing these guys with other teams. So anyway, we'll answer the question about a Verlander package because like I said that 43.3 million dollar salary this year next year and then 35 player option the year after that you'd have to offset some of that money and so what would some variations look like with the Giants including some of their starting pitching to offset the money we'll get into it in just a minute and the possibility of a Nolan Arenado trade is he available is he a fit we'll get into it in just a minute and before we do 
All right. As promised, answering the question about Justin Verlander being involved, I think that that makes a lot of sense. If you're talking about Verlander, I think the fact that Verlander might be dealt, but his contract is too expensive. The Giants are interested in a pitcher like Verlander, and they have these. They have to clear space on their pitching staff, and they've got money kind of committed to players who are underperforming. It just makes a lot of sense logically. Thanks again for making Locked On Giants your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow, not tomorrow, Monday on the show, breaking down a three-game series against the Boston Red Sox and any and all rumors trades if there's a real trade we'll probably do an emergency podcast even on the weekend fyi but the giants play the red sox tonight at 7 15 pacific with logan webb on the mound and you can catch every pitch of the giants hometown broadcast with sirius xm on the sxm app search giants so some variations i've thought about this quite a bit actually of verlander for one of those pitchers and then what would a trade basically look like if the giants were to acquire verlander so again, like $43.3 million each year of the next two. This year, he's already been paid like two-thirds of it, but that's still a lot remaining. And so to me, like if you do, for example, Mania and Stripling, both of whom look likely to opt into their contracts next year, and the total sum for that is $25 million. So if you're looking at Verlander's $43.3 million and you subtract the $25 million owed to Stripling and Manaya, it's $18.3 million, which starts to look like a bargain for Justin Verlander. And so I think from the Mets perspective, you would probably want something like this because once you get Verlander's salary down to $18.3 million for next year and you know, prorated $18.3 million this year as well, it starts to look like a bargain, meaning you would get a pretty good kind of prospect return. However, there's that player option for $35 million, which is also, I think, an overpay. So I don't know, maybe if the Mets also included like $20 million in cash or $15 to $17.5 million in cash in 2025, if Verlander opts in or something like that, then you start to think the Mets would get a pretty significant return from a prospect perspective. And that's, I think, what they would want. They don't want to just, you know, trade. If you didn't send, if the Mets didn't send any money back or the Giants didn't include any of these overpaid pitchers, then the Mets would get essentially nothing back. I don't think a team would even just take on that contract. Like if the Mets DFA'd Justin Verlander, he wouldn't, I don't think, be claimed off waivers. He would clear waivers and then uh, he would be able to sign for the league minimum with another team and would still be owed money by the Mets. So, yeah, um, I think that it's kind of a pipe dream to say both Manaya and Stripling I don't necessarily see the Mets. I guess you could possibly do like a Wood and Manaya or something like that. So it's the two guys for this year, but then next year Wood is not under contract. So it's only 12 and a half million offsetting the 43.3, which is, it comes out to, let's see, 43.3 minus 12 and a half is 30.8 million, which I think you're still overpaying a bit. And so 
I don't think the Mets would get anything in return, really, if it was just um, anything like prospect wise, if you traded Wood and Manaya just straight up for Verlander. And so the Mets, I don't really see the motivation for them to do that because you're giving up the upside of a Justin Verlander and just getting, I don't know, in a, you just, I guess if they're interested in clearing some money, but Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, is kind of not operated that way. And so I think there's got to be a balance here. And the balance maybe is somewhere between like, the money that that uh, the the total that it comes out to when you do like Wood and Manaya for Verlander versus like Stripling and Manaya, given that Stripling is under contract for next year and Wood is not, somewhere in between that. And so, what does that look like exactly? I'm not sure, but you could do Verlander for Stripling and Manaya, and maybe give up something of value. I'm not sure the Giants want to do that, though. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure they want to give up a lot of prospects for a 40-year-old pitcher who is likely to get worse over the next couple of years, and then you'd be committed for you know two and a half years to a guy who's going to be old, essentially, the whole time. So I'm not sure. That's why I'm not sure it's the I don't I'm not sure that that makes the most sense, Verlander. It might be just too hard to accomplish. Nathan says, is Nolan Arenado a possible trade target? So Nolan Arenado is also getting older and is signed for four additional seasons after this year. And I was just comparing him uh, to Evan Longoria, who, you know, it's crazy. If you look at when Longoria was acquired, the fan graphs wins above replacement, the weighted runs created plus almost identical through the same, almost the same number of plate appearances. They have really parallel careers. And so you'd be taking on essentially the same chunk of the career as the Giants took on with Longoria, which is to say, you know, his mid thirties. And so for that reason, I'm, I definitely have some pause. He's also kind of regressed a little bit defensively based on the metrics. And also I've watched some Cardinals games this year, and I've seen some uncharacteristically poor defense from Nolan Arenado. And that being said, I mean, he is a possible trade target given the Cardinals are looking to kind of shake up their roster, I think. But I think it's unlikely he gets dealt. There, of course, were some rumors yesterday that the Dodgers were really interested in Arenado and that uh, Arenado would only waive his no trade clause, which is a huge factor having the no trade clause uh, to go to the Dodgers. And then there was another report from someone who talked to his agent who said that that was totally un- untrue. And added on top of that is the fact that the Giants don't really need like a pure third baseman and JD Davis I know he's had his struggles recently but what do you do with JD Davis if you acquire Nolan Arenado maybe some of you say just give include Davis in the deal and I guess that could make some sense but I again just have some pause with you'd be taking on ages 32 through 36 seasons which is the same type of deal you got with Evan Longoria. So I don't really want to pay for what the guy has done in the past. I want to think about what is he going to do in the future. If you think he's going to be a stud through age 36, maybe. But um, I'm not sure. I don't think it's realistic for the San Francisco Giants. And lastly, Jonathan India, just to throw this out there. Some have asked about Jonathan India, whom the Reds apparently have made available in trade discussions. And I just want to say... 
Jonathan India is a pure second baseman. He doesn't have that versatility. And when you look at a guy like Tyro Estrada, I kind of view him as a pure second baseman as well. He can play short. He's played some outfield, but I don't like the idea of moving one of your only kind of rock solid position players who's an everyday guy to another position where he's not as good. Estrada is a good defensive second baseman in my view, and Jonathan India is not. If you look at the defensive metrics, he's just been consistently poor defensively. And it would also cost a lot to acquire him because he's got many years of team control. So the question askers, by the way, were Andrew and Richard. Andrew said, I keep hearing or reading that the Reds are shopping India. Him and Estrada are similar are super similar, it seems. Is it worth a fairly expensive trade to then put one of them in the outfield when Estrada comes back? Can India play short? No. Seems they want young pitching. What would it take worth it? To me, no. It's just not really a fit for the Giants because he can't play short. Estrada, I don't think, would be a good in the outfield. I know he's played out there some, and he, to me, the arm doesn't really play in the outfield, and he just doesn't look like a natural outfielder. And Richard said, should we go after India, maybe Keaton Wynn or Tristan Beck? I think it would take more than that. I think they would want more than that. And also, I just am not sure that India is a good fit, as I said. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every dayers on Monday, three game series against the Red Sox, big series. Red Sox are playing well, so it's going to be tough. They're really hitting well recently. And... We'll be breaking it down on Monday. The Giants play the Red Sox tonight at 7.15 Pacific. You can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app, Search Giants. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter, at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot, so thanks in advance, and thank you to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again on Monday. Have a great weekend. You are now Locked on Giants.